latest information on affluent donors. Hi, I'm Bill Stajakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by two of my invaluable colleagues. Dr. Una Osali is the Associate Dean at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, and John Bergdahl is the Associate Director of Research Partnerships on the research team at our school. And as you've heard me say numerous times on this podcast, the work of Una and John and the rest of the research team is a key reason for the significant impact of the training at the fundraising school where wherever possible, our curriculum is evidence-based. We also need to point out that Dr. Osley is a top 50 power influencer in the nonprofit sector, awarded once again by the Nonprofit Times. And Una, let me start with you. The Bank of America Philanthropy Study looks at affluent donors. What are some of the findings that really jump off the page for you from this year's report? Well, thank you, Bill. And I would say this year, one of the strong findings emerging from the report is that high net worth individuals, affluent Americans remain committed to philanthropy. We see very high rates of giving uh, among the wealthiest Americans, and that trend has continued. And I think the other finding that is also uh, very encouraging is we've also seen an uptick in the volunteering results. Um, as many know, during the pandemic, due to stay at home orders, and social distancing, we saw a decline in volunteering. And I think one of the really encouraging signs from this year's report is that uh, recovery in volunteering rates. John, how about for you? Can you help us uh, define, first of all, who is an affluent donor in this study? What parameters were utilized? And what were some of the big picture takeaways for you as the data came available? Sure. So our definition for uh, an affluent household is any household in which their wealth, excluding their home or wherever they live, is a million dollars or more, or their household income is $200,000 or more. And so, um, which is why part of the reason why we go with affluent now, uh, instead of, you know, the high net worth, it's a little bit lower down classifications, the idea. And um, as far as kind of the most interesting thing for me is a, a sort of a broad narrative thing in which we saw in 2020, where we also had this study, um, the effects of the pandemic as a huge shock to the system of philanthropy and all sorts of the, these variables that we keep track of on you know a biannual basis going in crazy directions and everything, big spikes. And we were kind of curious to see what that would look like here in 2022 afterwards and whether things would be all the way back to what they had been before, whether things were going to stay at the where they were. And the answer is kind of in the middle um, for a lot of these things. Uh, things like volunteering did raise from 2020, but it's below where it was in 2017. People are giving uh, more due to issues rather than organizations than they did in 2017, but less so than they did in 2020. Um, there's a lot of findings like that. So, John, if I could just stay with you for a moment, the giving from affluent donors down compared to 2020, which, as we've talked about with other studies, very unique because of the pandemic and an increase of awareness around social justice issues, but 14 percent higher than before the pandemic. Right. Right. And, um, you know, this is something that we also uh, have seen in Giving USA a little bit, too, where uh, 2020 elicited a really in tremendous surge of giving from uh, across the spectrum, including from uh, affluent Americans. And in 2022, in contrast, a little bit, uh, we had a lot of decrease. In, you know, that was the first year in a while where the stock market took a year long hit, uh, not just a partial one, but, you know, even when people are doing their taxes in December, it was still quite a bit lower. 
And so, um, you know, seeing it down from 2020 is not necessarily a surprise, but it was a relief to see that it was at least still up from where it had been previously. And John, are the destinations of these gifts remaining the same compared with past years? What did this year's study find? Um, you know, I think broadly speaking, yes, there's always a little bit of noise in studies like these uh, as far as the destination goes. But uh, the really big picture stuff remains true where, you know, religion continues to be a major destination point for giving both at, you know, a middle class level. And yes, even with the affluent level, uh, it continues to be where a majority of the dollars we track in this study go. Um, or not a majority, rather, a plurality. Um uh, but, uh, you know, other things that, you know, higher ed did quite well, uh, basic needs is uh, down from 2020, but still a considerable amount, you know, uh, so pretty similar, pretty similar, I would say, his to what we've seen historically, no big shifts. Una, let's take a deeper dive into the data. What did this year's report find related to gender and giving from affluent households? Well, I think the results here are very compelling on the role that women are playing in in advancing philanthropy. We found consistently that women influence uh, decision-making around philanthropy. 85% of charitable decision-making is led by women, and that I think is a very important finding. We're also seeing that the areas that matter to women uh, are quite different. In particular, uh, we see women uh, paying a close attention to causes that matter to them, so the cause-based giving. We also see the importance of new areas of giving, racial equity giving, also climate being important to women. So in, in so many uh, different areas, you could say women are helping really lead the way in areas of giving. Um, their volunteering rates are also higher on average. And so on the whole, the charitable sector, I think, um, already has seen the influence, the growing influence of women at the top level, but the data now support a broad-based um, I think, leadership position for women in philanthropy. And fundraisers are always wondering about those next generations. We talk quite a bit about millennials and Gen Z and Z-lennials, those folks who are kind of in between. Una, what does this study show about what we're seeing with uh, generational distinctions within affluent households? Yes, I think here the data also speak to the power and potential of the next generation of donors. What we call in this study the next gen of donors are donors who are currently under the age of 42. So they include millennials, but also Gen Z individuals. We've seen that uh, these donors have a much broader definition of philanthropy that includes giving, but it includes volunteering, but it also includes uh, conscious consumerism, the decisions they make around what they buy, impact investing, and so many other new ways. One particular data point that stands out in the study is the areas that are important to younger donors, their priorities around their charitable giving. Turns out climate is one of their top priorities. In fact, they're twice as likely as their older counterparts to select climate. So as we think about engaging and harnessing the power of these next-gen donors, I think it's important that we meet them where they are and understand what their priorities are. Causes matter to them. Climate is certainly very important. And they have this much more expansive definition, which means they do want to be engaged in different aspects of nonprofit work. And this is just the latest data report at the fundraising school we've been emphasizing. If you had that mindset five, 10 years ago that millennials were not donating, this is yet further evidence that millennials now are showing up as donors 
and they have specific causes, specific methods, specific areas of interest. And this affluent donor study is yet the latest data point reminding fundraisers to be inclusive of all generations in your fundraising planning. John, let me ask you, uh, there are some affluent families, affluent households that aren't donating compared to the last report. What do those numbers show and what uh, is some of the analysis that comes out of this report? Sure. Um, so in a broad sense, you know, we did not see a, a really huge decline in overall the number of donors, but it was a significant little dip of going from 88% to 85%, um, which is still, you know, very, very high in comparison to a general population a sample. Um, but that being said, the what what is interesting is looking at the stated reasons for not giving. Um, in which we had considerably more people uh, sort of saying that their they felt their resources were constrained, whether it was directly saying, I did not have the resources to give, or my priority was taking care of my family. Both of those were up uh, very significantly from prior years in terms of the state of reason for not giving. And, um, you know, I think uh, these households, you know, affluent though they were, did feel that pinch from both the declining stock market and from the uh, high inflation rates we saw in 2022. And these things probably contributed a little bit to, um, you know, that law, that decline in discretionary income, which is where so much of giving is coming from. Something to keep in mind when we're talking with all of our donors, including those who are in affluent households, uh, that uh, folks are generous. Uh, and the data here showing not the when there's a decline that folks are unhappy with the nonprofit sector, there are other things happening with their wealth, with their family conditions are often the reasons why. Una, let me ask you a conclusion. Um, what type of vehicles are affluent households using when they're making these gifts? Is it cash? Is it donor advised funds? Is it a wide range of vehicles that they're utilizing? What, what do the data show us? I think it's still, cash is still one of the key ways that donors give, but I would emphasize that over the time that we've been studying affluent households over the past few decades, high net worth households, affluent households are using a wide range of vehicles to make their charitable donations. Some of them are establishing donor advice funds, but beyond that, we're also seeing the impact of planned gifts, many making commitments around a charitable giving and using a wider array of tools to achieve their charitable goals. It's so important for fundraisers to pay attention to how those vehicles are changing and understand that different vehicles may uh, be suitable or attractive to donors. So once again, meeting donors where they are on the kinds of gifts they want to make, whether those are current, planned, multi-year, uh, but also understanding that the landscape is changing and there is a broad array of vehicles that are being used. Una, that is such great advice. So we need to make sure we have organizational readiness for fundraising wherever those donations are coming from, cash, areas of wealth, the donor advice fund, the family foundation, um, other items of value. Can we translate those quickly into a financial gift uh, as our affluent households are finding those different ways of being charitable to nonprofit organizations? And again, at the fundraising school and at the Indiana University Lively Family School of Philanthropy, we emphasize that all donors are important. All gifts are important. We need to be inclusive across our entire donor pyramid, including at the base with our wonderful neighbors who can make smaller gifts. And yet uh, this study helps us also get good information 
about those donors who can make those larger gifts to strengthen our nonprofit organizations, lead our campaigns, and be part of major gift efforts. Let, let me ask both of you to conclude uh, how this study can best be used. John, I'll start with you. What advice do you have for fundraisers as you kind of step back, look at all the analysis you've done on this study, and how this can be operationalized effectively by fundraisers as they raise support for nonprofit organizations? Sure. I'll actually spin off of a point that was made earlier about the sort of next generation of donor, that millennial and younger. Um, one of our findings, which we didn't talk about here today on that, was that um, sort of across the board, they were much more likely to express interest in learning more about various topics. You know, we asked a handful of things, you know, volunteering opportunities or, you know, alternative ways of giving, things like that. And on just question after question, they were more likely than uh, older donors to uh, express an interest in learning more. And um, I think there is that sort of a thirst for knowledge among these uh, donors where maybe the money is not quite there or it is not quite at the same level as an older donor, but there's quite a bit of a desire to become more involved and for that community. Um, and I, I think that's something that could really be um, expanded upon and latched on. Wonderful advice, John. Thank you for that. Una, same question. What advice do you have for fundraisers on how best they can utilize the findings from this study? One of the top findings from this year's report, a very consistent theme, is that donors have the highest level of trust in nonprofits and confidence in the nonprofit sector to solve problems. This is a great time for nonprofits to engage donors with that top finding in mind, to build the trust, to build engagement and authentic relationships with donors, because what we've seen is that at the present time, trust across all institutions tends to be low, but the nonprofit sector ranks the highest. A great time to engage donors, to build relationships, and ultimately to achieve their missions. Dr. Una Osley is the Associate Dean of the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy, where she leads our incredible research team. A valuable member is John Bergdahl, the Associate Director of Research Partnerships. And again, the work of the research team is integral to the curriculum of the fundraising school. Wherever possible, we are research and evidence-based to give you confidence to use this teaching to effectively plan and raise money for your nonprofit organization. This is expressed through our public courses, nearly 24 in all. We're in person in eight U.S. cities, online in the U.S. and around the world, leading to four separate certificates. We can customize training just for you, for your particular nonprofit, your association, your region, whatever the case might be. We have quarterly webinars, the free podcasts, and of course, all of our teaching is gathered in our textbook, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition. Information is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu. If you forward slash the fundraising school, you'll go straight to the fundraising school. If you use that URL, look across the top toolbar for research. There's a pull down menu and our research is available to you free of charge. And as you can see from Una and John, it's not just research for the sake of the data and the analysis, but how this can be translated into effective leadership in the nonprofit sector, effective fundraising, and yes, effective charitable giving by donors as well. Again, that website, philanthropy. .iupui.edu. I'm so grateful to Una and John for being with us on this podcast produced by Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakovich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.